we, we are seeking to replace God and sitting as ruler. And we're recognizing ourselves as creator, recognizing ourselves as the one who is in charge, as the one who. Now, none of this is even begins to mention our inability to sit still for more than a few milliseconds before we begin to swipe or scroll or post. And so then we factor into the fact that we're addicted to technology. That, that we begin to feel uncomfortable, just a little bit uncomfortable, that we begin to busy ourselves with something else and so we lose track. But all hope is not lost. All hope is not lost because there is soul that pulls us back to the place of reality. There is for each of us a longing lover who calls to us and woos us in a way that technology can't and in a way that money can't and in a way that power can't. And that person is Jesus. He's the one who fills us and who satisfies us. Now, last week, we finished the book of Ephesians and Paul gave us that last imperative in which he said to pray at all times. The moment that I started studying that statement as we were wrapping up Ephesians, I knew that it was gonna be impossible to begin to even touch what needed to be said about prayer in one message. What would it be like if, if we followed that up by doing something really radical, by doing something different, by doing something that is almost unheard of in the Western church today? What would it be like if we, we actually prayed? And so that's what I want to invite you into today. I want to invite you into the Lord's Prayer and I want to invite you into doing something a little bit different. If you'll trust me. And more importantly, if you'll trust the Holy Spirit. I want to walk through very briefly the Lord's Prayer. And then I want to take a pause from time to time and give you the opportunity to come and express what we've just studied to the Lord. And to model for one another what it looks like to pray. Now, this is going to require something of you. First, it's going to require an understanding that you didn't come to church this morning. It's going to require the understanding that you are the church. So this is not church. This is a Sunday gathering of the church that happens to meet in this building. Church, then that means that you can enter into prayer in the same way that I can enter into prayer. That just because Jared prayed to begin service doesn't mean that we all can pray. And I think it's really important that we hear from men and from women, from people of different socioeconomic backgrounds. And so as I walk through the Lord's Prayer, I want you to kind of listen to the Spirit. And we're going to have a front. And the way that the Holy Spirit oftentimes works in my life is if the Lord prompts me to do something that I believe is a good thing, and if I feel like the Spirit's prompting me and I really don't want to do it, it's probably the Spirit. And so we want to invite you 
to come and to pray. Look with me at Matthew chapter 6. The Lord's Prayer begins with Jesus teaching his disciples. And he says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You can learn a lot about someone's theology and where they are um, just in their relationship with the Lord by listening to the way in which they pray. How do you begin your prayers? Do you begin your prayers by saying God? Or do you begin your prayer with, a, with the word Father? This is not as much of a petition as it is a, a way of teaching us how to address God. And Jesus would begin with the term now, as we look at that in the back term, many of you know that that is Abba. Think about all the terms that Jesus could have used. He could have used, when you address God, speak to him as creator, as ruler, as king, as potentate, as dictator. That's what my kids jokingly call me sometimes. Okay, dictator dad. Like, there's a lot of things that he could have said, but... Do you know what he said? He said, Abba. Of all the terms for father that he could have used, literally, this is a term that a one-year-old would have uttered. Would have sounded like Abba. Da, da. Do you understand that the most theological, that, that if you're gonna pray in such a way that is the most theologically correct, it would be to pray da, da? Literally, that's what Abba means. So Jesus says, when we address God, we address him as Father or Dada. That, uh, and th- that means that in addressing God, we're coming to an understanding of who we are. I mean, realize this. If he is Father, then we are sons and daughters. And that means we have an incredible inheritance an incredible wealth, an incredible amount of power and influence. And you say, how do we have, how can we lay claim of all of that in calling him father and recognizing ourselves as sons and daughter? How can we do that? Well, very simply because we've been adopted. Because of Jesus, we've been adopted into this kingdom. And we have standing. And so we remember that. And then we go on and it, he says, when you pray, pray our father in heaven, hallowed be your hallowed, holy don't use that word very often. And some people get confused. Why would we pray that God's name would be hallowed? Isn't he already holy? Do we need to pray for God? No. This is praying that God's name be made holy among ourselves. And so when you post on social media uh, and when you say things like, OMG. To you, that might not be a very big deal. It might just be a phrase. I had a friend that was in the ministry and he would regularly, a regular phrase for him was the term holy C-R-A-P. He just said that regularly. Holy C-R-A-P. Now, I get it how that works. It's two different words that are juxtaposed juxtaposed together that are very distinct and different. But when we say, oh my God, or OMG, we're not honoring God's name. Now you say, now that's, that's like legalistic, Brad. What's the big deal? 
Um, I don't mean anything by that. And, and that's the problem. I would agree with you. You don't mean anything by it. You don't have an appreciation for God's name. God's name matters. In the same way that my wife's name, Katie, matters. And if you walk up to me and if you begin to insult my wife in front of me, and if you begin to call her names, guess what? You take it far enough and I may try to hurt you. Because my wife matters. And I'm called to protect her. Because I love her. Do you see how that works? If we love God, then his name matters. And he is seeking, saying that we should pray that his name be honored. Not just in ways in which we speak of his name, but that his name would be honored both within our own lives and just as importantly, that his name would be honored amongst those who don't love him, who don't know him, who don't honor his name. Calvin in his institute said this, what is more unworthy than for God's glory Obscured partly by our, by our ungratefulness. In other words, ingratitude and, 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 and an indifferent attitude of God fails to honor his name. To hallow God's name is not merely to live righteous lives, but to have a heart of grateful joy toward God. And even more, a wondrous sense of his beauty. We do not revere his name unless he captivates us with wonderment for him. Hallowed be your name. We pray that our Father who has loved us dearly, his name would be honored, especially among those who don't know of his love. That God's glory, that honor for his name would be spread among the nations would be honored among our friends, our family, and the people that we do life with. And so I want to push pause for a moment in the Lord's Prayer. And I want to give us an opportunity to reflect. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And as we reflect on that, as we have a time for some open mic prayer, that we would recognize God as Father and pray that, that his name would be honored both in our lives and that his name would be honored in the lives of those who don't yet know him. Now, I know it's awkward to come up front and to pray at a microphone. For some of us, the years haven't been too good to our ears, and I am one of those. And so I want to ask if you would just to, to walk up and to pray so that we can hear each other. I want to invite you, if you would, to bow your heads with me. Father, thank you that you've given us such an intimate name that we can call you by. Father, help us to understand 
the love that you have for us. Father, help us to understand the love that you seek and desire to show to those who are around us. God, speak to us in this time as we pray to you. In Jesus' name we pray. The next portion of this prayer is like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Think about that phrase. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oftentimes, um, pray for God's kingdom to come. Uh, At least personally, I oftentimes think about that externally. I think about it from an outward perspective. And so while that's true, that God's kingdom would come to reign on earth and that poverty would be alleviated and that those suffering with sin and sickness might be restored and made whole, while we do pray for that, um, at the same time, this prayer calls us to also understand and to contemplate the importance of God's kingdom coming to us inwardly, not simply outwardly, that we might find great joy in Jesus and that that we might be moved to see this world as Jesus sees it. And so praying for God's kingdom to come inwardly in me is a really dangerous prayer. Your kingdom come is an invitation for the Spirit of God and the Word of God to both correct and to shape us in order that God's power would be extended to our emotions, to our desires, to our thoughts, and even our commitment calendars. So when we kingdom come, your will be done, it should affect even things like how we spend our money and how we spend our time. Your will be done. This is the portion of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden the night he was arrested. We're going to look at that more next Sunday as we enter into an Easter series, and we're going to begin with the cup. In considering this, we see that we aren't praying anything that Jesus hasn't already submitted himself to. Your will be done. But in the same way, we have to recognize that each of us in praying, your will be done, we're like kindergartners. Like a kindergartner doesn't understand the decisions of their father, especially in times when their father says, not yet. And so we must submit will and even our feelings to God. But if we can genuinely pray, thy will be done during the hardest times in our lives, then we'll that surpasses even our own understanding. And so I want to have another time and ask if you would to bow your heads. And I want to have a time of open mic prayer and invite you to come and pray for God's kingdom to come in us. 
both inwardly and outwardly. And that we as individuals and as a church would be willing to surrender to his will that we would be able to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May we be a people that do the scary, that do the brave, that step out and reach the people that need to hear you out of our comfort zones and into the awkward and maybe be willing to say that we know the one who brings great joy and we know the one who heals and we know the one who stops the hurting. May we be obedient, God, to your word and to your voice. May we be obedient to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I pray for those who would struggle in this moment to, pray, to even utter the words, your will be done. Because of the heaviness of, um, of life, because of past experiences of hurt, in which others have wounded them, and there seems no understanding on their part of how anything good could come from that. God, I pray for those who struggle to pray your will be done in this moment because they look to the future with no understanding, seeing what seems to be dark clouds and certainly uncertainty. God, by your spirit, may you give us the strength to pray your will be done and to simply take one step into that prayer trusting that you'll continue to guide us each step of the way. Thank you for this prayer in Jesus' name. We're going to end, and my shortest bit of instructions are about the prayer that God gives us to pray for ourselves. So up until this point, every part of the prayer and the address has been toward God. And now we pray for our own needs. In verse 11, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Notice first and foremost the number of times that the word us is used. Not just speaking to our needs or our... And by the way, this is not our wants, but our needs. Give us, as a community, this day, our daily bread. Us. And so, us brings in a genuine care for society and the well-being of our community and people that we may pass in the street. It forces us to look outside of ourselves when we pray this prayer. Give us, this day, our daily bread. It causes our attitude towards someone when they say, I'm hungry and I need something to eat. Verse 12 simply reminds us that when we look at ourselves closely and consider our ways, we're no better than those who have wronged us. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
if we can't forgive those who've wronged us, then we don't truly understand the overwhelming love of the Father that's been lavished on us when we were undeserving, when we were evil in His sight. And verse 13 reminds us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So to be led into temptation or to be brought into temptation doesn't speak of, um, doesn't mean that we've sinned when we are tempted. But this prayer speaks toward that we would not give into temptation. That when we are tempted, that we wouldn't give in. I think it was Calvin who said that he prayed that wouldn't be too far to the right in which he would have riches and power and honor and be tempted to believe that he didn't need God and he prayed that he wouldn't be too far to the left in which he would experience poverty and disgrace and affliction and be tempted to despair and to be angry at God. But we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil and most certainly deliver us from the evil one, from Satan, from his lies and accusations as well as from his physical, emotional, and mental attacks against us. And so we end today with a final time of of open prayer in which we pray for provision and for forgiveness and for deliverance in times of need. So bow with me if you would and come and pray. Father, I come before you this morning and I want to thank you for the work that you do in my life. I tremble this morning before you because I know in my own life I have not been a a good spiritual leader of my family because I've let past experiences and burdens to keep me, give me a reason to run from you instead of running to you. I pray that you would help me embrace this family that I'll call the church, the church that you have given me, this people that you have given me and my family pray that you would help me to, instead of running from you and running from them, to run to them in our times of need, helping me, Father, as well to lead my family, to lead my family in a way that pleases you, to lead my daughter to you, to let her see that her dad struggles, to let her see that her dad, amongst his struggle, um, among his struggles, still desires to seek you and desires to see her come to know you as her Lord and Savior as you draw her as you keep her heart tender praying that you'd forgive me of my sins that you would help me to learn to trust in you to learn to trust in your word and to learn to trust in what you have done for me Father, help us to trust, trust you more deeply and trust that your daily bread is what we need and is enough for each day. Help us to trust that without knowing what the future holds. Help us to trust that 24 hours in a day is what you've given us and it's enough for what you would have us do. Help us to trust that the gifts and the struggles that we have are both 
are both okay in your sight and that you are enough for everything that we need. Boy, Lord, if, if there's ever a time to come to you as, as dad, now, now is the time to do it in light of these verses. And while calling you Lord has become a habit to me, there are those times when I want a ruler, a controller, uh, a person in charge that can make those decisions that nobody else can make, that can make those changes that nobody else can do. But in light of these verses, Lord, I do want a dad. You tell me that I should ask for forgiveness the way I forgive others, but I don't want to do that. I don't want you to forgive me the way I forgive others. So I ask for the grace, the mercy, and the understanding for others the way you give me grace or the way that your mercy is shown on me. So that I can expect that from you. Help me not to be jaded towards others. but to understand their circumstances that may have brought them to whatever it is that has transgressed against me. Sometimes it's hard to see you as dad. And it's hard to approach you in that way. But it's something I need, and it's something that I pray for everybody here. And for the rest of the church and as a whole. Father, thank you for the forgiveness, the deliverance that you offer. Thank you that um, you meet our needs. Uh, God, help us not to get our wants confused with our needs. And thank you for um, your work in our lives in Jesus' name. Some of, uh, some of the Lord's Prayer, depending on which gospel that you're looking at, um, Matthew's gospel doesn't end in this way, but some uh, end with, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And I think that's a, it's really important as we reflect on those words in ending our prayers that we reflect back to God, that we don't end with our needs, but that we reflect back to God. It's his kingdom, it's his power, it's his glory forever. 
Um, Calvin in his institutes, as he wrote, he believed that public ministry shapes private devotion. We tend to think the opposite. I need to spend time with God so that I can come and worship him. But he seemed to think that what we do in our public ministry will shape our private devotion. So we're learning how to worship Jesus here together in the awkwardness. Today was awkward, right? Anybody experience awkwardness today? The kids are loud. Like, we'll tell stories one day at Mercy Hill Church. Remember when Brad would lead us in those crazy, awkward prayer times? And the kids would be so loud on the other side of that screen. And it was all I could do to try to concentrate. But we made it through it. And we learned together that prayer is awkward. And so when I pray at home and it's awkward and I'm distracted, I know that I'm doing it right. That it's normal. We need public worship. It helps and instructs us for private devotion. And in the same way, we need the Lord's table. We need communion in our lives regularly in order that we would experience this time of remembering and participating in the intimacy that we have in Jesus. And so as you come to the Lord's table today, may you remember the joy that we have in Jesus, the intimacy that we have in Him, the opportunity that we have to pray and to meet with Him. You know, I was thinking earlier today, and I was kind of reflecting on how, how Jesus so oftentimes would say, let the little children come to me. And it seemed like there was a lot that we had to learn from little children. He, he would say things like, unless you become like a little child. Now, some of y'all don't know this, but you miss the best part of the worship experience at Mercy Hill Church if you don't sit right up here. Because you miss the triplets like swimming in the carpet while we worship. Like, and well, Matt doesn't miss it because he's probably ready to go nuts. But the rest of us are just having the time of our lives because we're watching these kids and they're just so funny. They have so much joy. They have so much laughter while we worship. And they remind me that there is joy in knowing Jesus. And so as we come to this table, not as individuals, but as we come to this communal table together as a family, those who have been redeemed, may we remember the joy that even the little ones who are among us remind us that we have in Jesus. Let me invite those who are serving communion, invite our musicians back to the stage, and I'm going to pray one last time. Father, we thank you for your prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And God's church together says, amen.